Davis. The views and opinions expressed by callers, guests, and hosts do not necessarily reflect those of the Black Talk Radio Network and Black Talk Media Project. Black Talk Radio is new black media for the new millennium. Trusted have become completely corrupted and inherently evil. When the feast that feeds you starves our father's children. When snuff porn and pedo forms begin to get top billing, rise up. When famine claims millions, when justice gives blind eyes to billions, when the Lord's anger is no longer feared, if his protection is gone and your enemies are near, if you've seen the seas spill over and the mountains shake, break, and fall, if the moon ever turns blood red and you can't see the sun at all, rise up. Peace and welcome to New Abolitionist Radio on the Black Talk Radio Network, a program that seeks to educate, inform, and agitate, agitate, agitate on the issue of 21st century legalized slavery. Hosted by social activist and spoken word poet Max Parthas with New Abolitionist and Actionist Johanna Nelaya and Black Talk Media Project founder Scotty Reed. On this program, we discuss recent news on legalized 21st century slavery and human trafficking, along with projects and people who help combat it. Today is January 25th, 2017, the broadcast of New Abolitionist Radio, four weeks deep into 2017 and the insanity that is, for all intents and purposes, the new rise of the slave state confederacy. we got a bunch of stories, events, breaking news, wins, losses to share as it pertains to the new abolitionist movement. Hell, we're even nominated for an Oscar, kind of, sort of. So let's skip the long intro today and just get to it. Time is short. A ride of the 21st Century Underground Railroad is Isaiah McCoy, a death row prisoner for years, who walked out of the Howard R. Young Correctional Institution in Wilmington and into his young daughter's embrace on Thursday night, just hours after a judge found him not guilty of a murder in his second trial. Our abolitionist in profile this week will be provided by Scotty Reed. You can now listen to the live stream on Black Talk Radio's YouTube page. If you'd like to li- to share a comment or question, call us at one eight six six five one zero nine zero two five or seven zero four. 802-5056. You can chat with us and others by logging in at uberconference.com slash Black Talk Radio Network. Today we're playing tag. If you're a regular listener, then tag somebody you think should tune in tonight. We really expect a lot of new listeners to be coming through today, so uh, we're going to give them the basics, among other things. What's happening, Brother Scotty Reed? What's happening, Johanna? How are you guys doing this week? Same as always, Max. Good evening to you and, of course, uh, our listeners. I know it was good to uh, uh, meet with you and uh, your lovely wife, Tribal Rain, once again. 
Uh, so I certainly appreciated that time that uh, the short time y'all were able to spend here as y'all were on y'all way to an abolitionist workshop. So, I, I, you know, nothing's changed. Uh, the weather's been beautiful. Um, but there is, you know, a lot of good news, even though the majority of what we report on this program is depressing news. I mean, there's no way to describe slavery other than depressing and a whole bunch of other uh, uh, names uh, that don't indicate uh, anything to feel good about. But at least we're starting, like we mentioned last week, with that um, song by Common. Um, I, use, I think you said it was sung at the White House. And yes. so we talked about that. That marks... Um, that marks in terms of propaganda that marks a win or it marks, you know, a step forward in getting people in certain uh, showcase positions, for lack of a better word, uh, to acknowledge this and convey that slavery was never abolished. Check the 13th Amendment. They're starting con to convey that to the masses. And so uh, we're there's still a lot of people out there dealing with denial. And that's all it is, is denial. They don't want to believe that their favorite teacher in school lied to them about slavery. Uh, they don't want to admit that it took them so long to recognize it themselves after they read the 13th as an adult. But, I mean, it's just a lot of um, lifelong programming that we got to fight through, and it's certainly going to help when we have people with higher profiles than ourselves, uh, although we've reached millions of people, Max, over the past five years on this very issue and converted a many of new abolitionists through our group move to abolish 21st century slavery. Um, so, so we are making progress. And but when these people like we'll be talking about Ava DuVernay, uh, we mentioned Common, and when other people start, more profile people start start uh, conveying this to the masses that they have access to through corporate media, through mass communications, through the their their celebrity. Oh man, I mean, I, I'm just really excited as as we convert more new abolitionists through their efforts. Uh, yeah, I feel sick. Johanan, are you on the board? Yeah, he's on the board. Greetings, bro. I'm, uh, greetings, greetings. I'm here with you all. Home. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Good to be here. Good to uh, be back another week and then get a chance to uh, give the field report. You know, that's what we do all the time in case people wonder what, what do we do all the time. Scotty running the station and keeping keeping the propaganda machine going constantly. Max in the field with abolitionist <clears throat> conferences and lectures and teaching and, and bringing in new people all the time. And I'm constantly researching on my end. And just uh, every Wednesday, it's like a, a pressure release valve, you know, to get a chance to just put it all out there, the things that we found, and just knowing that it's still, you know, a, a lot of information an unimaginable amount of information that we don't even have time to put, you know, out here on the broadcast. So it's always good to be back. Word, man. I, I've been busy the past couple of weeks, you know, um, just getting the word out there as, as uh, we mentioned. I wrote my first blog for Black Talk Radio Network, uh, which has been read by quite a few people. I, I went into great detail to break down the deceptions of the 13th Amendment and how it's not just the 13th Amendment that's affected, but just by its very wording, 
it also negates the 14th and the 15th Amendment. So I, I went into great detail with that for people who really want to understand a little deeper about what's going on with the deception of the 13th Amendment to the U.S. Constitution. You can find that on New Abolitionist Radio as well as on BlackTalkRadioNetwork.com now. Um, oh, Max, let me also, say... you know, we did the whole... Yes? Let me say something about that piece because I got two different... Um, reactions, one from a white person and one from a non-white person uh, who who I think is black, but I don't know for sure because they don't have a picture and I've never met them. But on on Twitter, you're, when you post a blog, anytime we post content to Black Talk Radio Network, it goes out automatically to connected social networks. That's automated. So when you publish that, that went out over our Black Talk Radio Twitter feed. So it was retweeted by a person who follows us. And then I guess a person she connected to uh, commented on that and were talking about, oh, we lost, oh, get over it, or like that. And um, I was like, what did I lose? I, I wasn't running for anything. So, of course, we are identi- we do self-identify as a black media outlet. So this person assumes uh, um, that we were bought into the uh, political uh, campaign of Hillary Clinton versus Donald Trump. I assume from what they were saying that they were a Trump supporter. Um, so I was like, you know, that has nothing to do with, with, with 13th Amendment slavery. So then later they come back and they were saying that um, when I hit them off with the exception clause, not the entire 13th Amendment because you only limit it to 140 characters on Twitter. So I just posted a picture, a, a meme, if you will, of 13th Amendment Explained, New Abolitionist Radio, you know, with the uh, picture of, the, of Wesley Snipes being booted into prison. To a, into prison. So he's saying that now, oh, that's being deception, deceptive, or you would have shared the whole text of it. You wouldn't have uh, 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 cut it off. And I'm like, you know, I'm not even going to feed the troll. I'm not going to go back and forth. This is willful ignorance. Um, and so, you know, and that was a suspected racist, I think. And then the other one on Facebook, when it published to Facebook, I, a person who classifies themselves as a counter-racist, I kind of think they might feel threatened by new abolitionist radio pointing to slavery as the uh, uh, root cause of, of, of what is white supremacy because, um, you know, it was the slave codes and, and racial classifications were created in order to maintain slavery. So I can't understand why this person uh, wants to question the information that we're putting out in terms of the 13th Amendment. But he wrote on there saying that, you know, the 13th Amendment remove involuntary servitude. And I so I posted, you can post a little bit more characters on Facebook. So I posted the entire text. And this is what the racist cracker and slaver said. Now, you know, you say it involuntary servitude was removed, but they say except for and so uh, um, then this person started talking about the 14th Amendment and, and all this and that. And I noticed you mentioned the 14th Amendment. I'm like, you know, I don't care. I don't care to get into the 14th Amendment, making black people so-called citizens or enslaving them to the corporation. I'm not talking about that. Everybody's not in slavery. Everybody's not forced to involuntarily work. 
You can quit your job at any time and be a bum on the street and beg for change. You don't have to participate in the system. Because that's basically what what many homeless people are doing. I'm talking about those who 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 are homeless by choice. Because there are people who are homeless by choice. You can also look at it at at look at it as living off the grid. Okay, they don't have a job. They don't you know apply for any kind of services. They live off the land or the charity of others. So you you are not a slave because you can choose to not participate in the system. Uh, on these prison in these prisons which we call plantations they are the modern day plantations people are being beaten they are being tortured and they are being killed if they refuse to work so that's a big difference than us out here who are not on the plantation and saying well we're all on the plantation white supremacy is a, 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 a plantation you know I don't, that's, that's why sometimes I do use metaphors, but sometimes it's not good to use metaphors. There must be a distinction between those who cannot choose to quit and walk out, who are being physically restrained in chains behind bars and being subjected to all the tortures that are associated with the plantation terrorism that occurred pre-1865. So, Max, that, that uh, you know, it's just interesting to see these responses when a person like you takes the time out to write such a thoughtful, documented blog post that also has supporting videos, if I'm not mistaken. So I don't know what's yeah, going. I, I don't know yeah. what's going on, but you know what? I'm going to keep soldiering on, and 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 not feed the trolls. But I will address in the hopes of enlightening these people and using logic. But um, I I continue to soldier on, soldier on. Nobody's going to convince me that slavery was abolished or you're not going to convince me that I'm in the same condition or situation that these brothers and sisters who for for were were having hunger strikes and work stoppages and it was entirely ignored by the US government by US corporate media and many of us on social media all right i'm not i'm not a 21st century slave in human trafficking i'm trying to free those who are well i definitely put all the supporting evidence that you could possibly want directly, mostly from government websites where they tell you about what's going on. Broke it down and I also provided, excuse me, the full series of the video. Uh, I denounced this so-called emancipation as a stupendous fraud by Frederick Douglass, 1888, where we recreated his words and recited them along with supporting evidence. But I mean, there's nothing you could I could lack in there that I can imagine. I think people just don't take the time to actually read it or research it. And as Martin Luther King said, nothing is more dangerous than sincere ignorance and conscientious stupidity. If it's there for you to see and understand and learn, and somebody has taken time to put it into such a small, condensed format that anybody can understand with supporting proof, and you still don't want to even look, what can we say? But that was one of the things that I've been involved in just recently, and I'm glad that uh, I managed to uh, publish it through Black Talk Radio Network. Thanks, Scotty Reed. 
and I'm glad that many people are reading it and looking through it, uh, not just the trolls who just, you know, look at the title and say something else. Also, the videos came out from the uh, event that we did with Real to Real Productions in Columbia, South Carolina, to benefit the homeless on Martin Luther King's birthday. And I, I didn't realize just how powerful I, that, that turned out. I mean, I really went in about the prison system there to my community, and, and they understood every word I said. I think if you're a listener here, just go to New Abolitionist Radio and check out the video. Um, I think you'll be uh, inspired by it. Man. Yes. Oh, oh, I'm sorry. Continue. I want to make you aware. I know it's not our normal uh, uh, protocol to take calls this early, but we do have a caller. I think I recognize the number. Um, just want to make you aware uh, that we do have a caller in queue. And um, but but go ahead and finish your announcements. Okay. Yeah. So you can find that. Also, the uh, information just recently came out with all the details for the fifth annual spoken word gala where I've been, uh, I'm the recipient of the Will Bell Humanitarian Award that happens May 13th. Uh, I would love it if a lot of the people who support us and follow us and believe in us come down that day, get your tickets. Uh, I'll put the link up on New Abolitionist Radio. Definitely, you know what I'm going to be talking about that day. It's going to be an amazing evening, so, you know, please come on down. I've really been doing a lot of lobbying, Scotty and Johanan, on behalf of the Millions of Prisoners March on Washington. Uh, we've gotten... Uh, the normal chapters involved, uh, they, at least one here in Columbia, South Carolina, shout out to Wayne Borders, has committed their support to the march and has also called, as we said, I think last week, for a conference call with the other chapter presidents so we can get all the normal on board. Um, I've spoken with Sister Nikim Levy-Pounds just earlier today, as a matter of fact, and she's on board and going to be a speaker at the event as well. The abolitionist attorney, she's also running for mayor uh, out in Minneapolis this November. So we've got an abolitionist running for mayor in Minneapolis, so make sure we support her. Uh, I've reached out to people like uh, uh, Anthony Nacella, who, you know, we uh, support them every year with the annual week of, against incarceration of the youth. And uh, they're getting on board as well, and so many others. And also, remember Georgia, former guest of ours, Tony Award-winning, Emmy Award-winning Georgia Mee, who just got off tour with Jill Scott. I spoke to her yesterday, and her and Giovanni Marcel out of Tennessee are for, uh, getting together to start conference calls to organize the poetic community across the nation to participate in this. So it's just getting bigger and well, bigger. I, and bigger. I, have I just a wanted to give you those heads up. I have a question yes. about what we discussed in terms of the the conscious community. So I want to know: um, um, Did you make any kind of headway, and will the conscious community be uh, represented in this historic march against modern day slavery and human trafficking? Uh, I have yet to find someone that I could reach out and that would say they represent that community. I think that the community at this point is kind of shattered and. And, uh, you know, it still exists, but it's, it's almost leaderless, it seems like, to a degree with the things that are going on. So I'm kind of letting that work itself out. And those that are involved have been reaching out to us. So there's a number of them who have individually been reaching out and want to be a part of it. And shout out to them, indeed. And uh, hopefully everything comes together well. We're going to get everybody we can, brother. But, you know, I get a little concerned when certain groups say certain people are unwelcome. And that's been a problem with me with the teachings of, of Brother Umar Johnson, particularly with Durant, where he just uh, went off on uh, Brother Seti simply because of the color of his skin. And we can't deal with that type of 
divisiveness right now where you're, as a black man, is denigrating another black man because he's not as dark as you are. Uh, We're way beyond the brown paper bag test these days, and we should not be performing it on each other. So if you're following that type of doctrine, I don't don't really want to reach out to you because I already know you see me as an enemy. I did see a video on YouTube. I didn't have a chance to watch it as I was, you know, working. And Wednesday is a very busy day with programming here on the network uh, with live programming. And um, so I saw a video uh, that was recommended to me on YouTube and it shows uh, Dr. Umar and uh, Brother Seti uh, in a video together. And the caption read, we both were wrong. So I hope to when I get a break after the last program uh, tonight, which will be after midnight, uh, I hope to take a look at that and hope that that video is going to work towards uh, healing that that rift. Okay, yeah, I, I hope so too, brother. I hope so too. Do we? Uh, so um, yes, we've been working hard to get this thing together, and it's come together fantastically. I received information so far that we already uh, have over 300 legal advisors who will be in attendance at the march uh, that are volunteers, at least 300. Uh, Upwards of 500 dormitory rooms are being made available for organizers and activists and speakers at the event. Uh, It's coming together really big, and I'm looking forward to the day that it occurs. Wow, wow. Well, uh, you said we had a caller, and you said we don't know if taking this early, but it's okay. It's kind of a freestyle day anyway. It's way more information than we can handle, so we're going to try to just bring it all together in simple conversations so people understand where we're coming from about what's happening. Uh, so, caller, uh, you're on New Abolitionist Radio. State your name and uh, where you're calling from and your question or comment. Is that me? Yes, sir. That's you. Welcome to New Abolitionist uh, Radio. Uh, thank you, uh, Brother Max. This is uh, Rob calling out of Milwaukee. Peace. What can and, we do for uh, you? Just, uh, not much. Was just calling, uh, just to build with you guys. Um, I find myself uh, not being around uh, like mine, so I was just chiming in and uh, would like to just stay on the line as the stories progress. If that's cool. Oh, that's fine. That's fine, brother. Uh, what you want to do then is just, uh, Scotty will probably mute you to just to eliminate background noise. And if you wanted to talk, just press star star. If you have a question or comment that you want to, you know, get in to be a part of, no problem at all. All right. Greetings, uh, brother Scotty and brother Yohan and greetings. Greetings, brother Rob. Greetings. I think one of the stories we might be talking about, like Matt said, we got so many stories, but one of the stories I saw posted in BTR community for the uh, NA uh, radio planning was uh, about yo. No, I ain't gonna put it on you. Uh, about them white people <laughs> sheriff up there uh, named David Clark. So he in the news again. It looks like he's been threatening folks again. Oh yeah, okay, you yeah. Whole story too, as a matter of fact, about Clark. I mean, what he did is nothing short of uh, fascist. I mean, right now the whole world should be looking at America getting ready to do something together to stop what's occurring. I mean, literally. This sheriff in uniform does some of the most horrendous things you can imagine. And using the office of the sheriff out in Milwaukee, its official web uh, site, its official Facebook website, put out a meme threatening to kill anybody that that he feels like killing. I, I couldn't believe it. Literally using the office of the mayor to say, 
something along the lines of, uh, I don't have the meme in front of me, but it was saying if he really wanted to harass you, you wouldn't be here whining right now. Yeah, and he's done this twice now. He flew into Charlotte, North Carolina, and it was this black dude that was on the plane and recognized David Clark. And and the dude started expressing his First Amendment right and started saying, this dude ain't black. He ain't with us. He ain't for us. And saying stuff like that. Now, I wasn't on the plane. I don't know how loud he was, but he has free speech. And so David Clark, when it landed, he going to sneak up on the brother. And they said the brother might have been drinking. I don't know. But it's going to sneak up on the brother while he still seat-belted in and then grab him and hold him for the police to come, for Charlotte Mecklenburg police to come get him. And and so now this is a similar story about I, I think uh, he did the same thing to a, a white person. Um, in, in uh, Milwaukee on the plane, if I'm if I'm not mistaken, and and so then when he was criticized about it, he's gonna post this meme through the official sheriff's department website or Facebook social media page, whatever. Uh, all the things Max talked about, saying saying he not gonna wait for some loud mouth or 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 some person, some weirdo or something to just straight up attack him. Uh, he gonna preemptively, you know, attack the person, or or if it mean murdering. So I am paraphrasing, but that's the gist of it. And and so this is the same guy that said that we got scum living in urban cities and they need to be eradicated, and that you know specifically told white people that's who he was talking to, even though he didn't name them, uh, to attack uh Black Lives activists if they exercise their First Amendment speech in any town and, and mount a protest. So, but man, this guy, this guy, and I think there's a representative up there that's uh, called for his resignation. He should not be in uniform. Um, I don't hate any man or woman or child, but I loathe this man more than anybody I think I've ever loathed before. Uh, he is the most self-hating black man I've ever seen in my life denigrating us at every chance that he gets. He is literally a black face for white supremacy. And he gets up there and he espouses these beliefs and these doctrines and these policies of murder and genocide and racism on behalf of the sheriff's organizations because we've already reported here that when the sheriffs have their annual to talk about what their problems is, they determined that the biggest problem facing law enforcement wasn't crime, but the people who were exposing the police. That was their biggest problem. And that is why you see these laws now, which we'll be talking about tonight, coming into play to silence such people. And they went, so, went so far now, as I said, it's almost like Nazi Germany, if not at that already, where they can threaten to kill anybody that opens their mouth about it and get away with it. Well, Johan, we haven't heard much from you, brother. Uh, anything you want to chime in on? How was your week or something you're feeling right now? Man, I mean, as, as we all know and regular listeners to this program know, we, we rarely have enough time and two hours to cover every single thing and our planning pages are, are notoriously chock full of, <laughs> of stories that are all competing for being the most you know devastating or the most enlightening or the most 
shocking or you know whatever story every single week one thing that has been really on my radar all week long I've been seeing you know because I've been watching the Trump presidency as it as it has begun you know I started a I've been I always watched C-SPAN anyway but I've, I've you know really been kind of trying to catch any videos of him speaking uh, the various departments of the government or various you know uh, places he goes and talks and stuff so I've been really kind of watching uh, the stock market also to see because we all knew when we reported on how uh, Geo Group put a big chunk of money into his campaign. CCA or Core Core Civic as they're called now uh, wasn't documented as much as as, as Geo Group was, but they were putting money into his campaign as well. And after they all kind of kept their cool after we saw their stock drop after that Bureau of Prisons memo came out and said they weren't gonna they were gonna cancel contracts and not renew contracts. I've been waiting to see, you know, what was going to happen in the real Trump presidency, not the not the campaign and not the build up to, you know, as the president elect, but the actual once he's in office. And it, it has not uh, it hasn't been uh, it hasn't been pretty, man. Um, the The money is flowing into the prisons like I mean, something that I haven't seen in these kind of chunks and this this uh, shamelessly in a number of years maybe i really don't remember when it's ever been this bad i've seen so many reports talking about uh teachers unions um state uh retirement pension funds all kinds of hedge funds um banks i mean everybody throwing their money at the private prisons to the point now where the private prisons are the the uh the the their uh, stock prices are they, they said that they're over they're overblown at this point I mean because people have invested too much in it it's not worth as much as people are putting in it but that's that's such a safe bet in their opinions that, that that's where it's all going so I mean some of the numbers I've seen like I said uh, state of New Jersey uh, pension fund um, just put in uh, 300 just bought 360,000 shares of uh, Geo Group that's worth eight and a half million dollars. Um, and those are just basic numbers that, you know, everybody is getting in in the same kind of ranges. Vanguard Group, over 12 million shares. They just increased theirs, but with an additional 555,000 shares. Um, that's a half a billion dollars in stock that the Vanguard Group owns. And you know how many how many uh, pension funds, you know, how many 401ks are, are, are tied up in the Vanguard Group? So, I mean, the list is just insane bank of montreal uh global x management uh bank of america i mean it's just on and on and on the list is just ridiculous and these people are buying hundreds of thousands of shares tens and 20 and 50 and 100 million dollars worth of stock of these two private prisons it's i mean it's really one of the most amazing stories i think going on in america right now that nobody really is talking about yeah, I had uh, pointed that out earlier today. Some I was, someone I was speaking with, uh, we were talking about, you know, the stocks on the day of the election, where all the stocks took a nose, nosedive except prisons, which went up as much as 60%. Um, they're just throwing the money at the prisons, like you said. And you got to understand that when we talk about these private prison companies, like formerly CCA, now Core Civic, changed their name so they think they're changing their images and lose their bad rep and the GEO Group and G4S and CEC, that these are world-class companies. Some of them didn't even exist until 30, 40 years ago. 
And now a company like G4S, which is a subsidiary of the GEO Group stationed in Florida, the second largest private prison company in the world, G4S is the largest private employer on the entire continent of Africa and is listed as the third largest privately owned corporation in the entire world. Now, mind you, this company didn't freaking exist before the Clinton crime bill. <laughs> the same thing applies to the Geo Group, which was birthed through the Clinton crime bill, working with the company called Wackenhut. And then Wackenhut was just a small prison company. And they got these contracts through the Clinton crime bill and became one of the largest companies in the entire world. Uh, in the first four years after the Clinton crime bill went into effect, their stock rose by 10 times the amount, 10 times the amount, and over 70% of it was all government contracts. So you could see what was going on, a collusion with our government being the Clintons and Joe Biden and those who sponsored that bill, and a private prison company who was lobbying Congress at the time to the tune of over 40-some-odd million dollars being spent, spent in less than a decade doing nothing but lobbying and These, don't uh, don't forget politicians. don't forget the congressional black caucus although a number of those members just one that I heard I think it was Bobby Rush that apologized for his vote but um like has been said you know these people were also calling for it um so I think it was only Bobby Rush uh during the campaign was saying, oh, I apologize for that. And when that was being brought up that the, about Hillary Clinton and the Clinton and that crime bill, that, oh, the Black Caucus overwhelmingly supported it too. And he was the only one to apologize. Charles Rangel showed some kind of remorse in the 13th, the film, the 13th, which just got an Oscar nod, but not really. You know, he tried to explain the way what he was doing, but the results of what they did uh, ended up in complete decimation and destruction of millions of lives and families over and over and over again. Nothing short of the black codes reinvented. And this has spread so worldwide that I had a discussion with a gentleman out of Turkey today, and he's probably listening right now. And uh, it just made me think, because I know that these global com companies are reaching out across the board to uh, take over basically all over the world slavery is coming back to the world. So I looked it up and found out that Turkey is also doing the same thing now on a very large level. Here's a quote from an article that you'll find on New Abolitionist Radio on Facebook titled Turkey, Land of Mosques, Prisons, and the Uneducated. It says, most recently, the Turkish government said that it would build 174 new prisons, increasing capacity by 100,000 convicts. This is Turkey's reply to complaints that six convicts must share a cell built for three. Convicts say they must sleep in turns in their bunk beds. This is Turkey. This is a global problem, and it's happened almost overnight with the introduction of the first privately owned prisons in the United States by Ronald Reagan. With the uh, global refugee crisis that's been created as well, um, it's just one of those things, man, where where I just I struggle with it. As much as we study it and we talk about it constantly, I still struggle to understand how the mood is still disbelief. And those that don't even care enough to disbelieve, just straight apathetic. It don't apply to me. I don't care. Like, But then we see that 
that even with this election or with the left versus the right in America, people still arguing over, you know, abortion, uh, for example. Like things where people have these concepts like, oh, life begins in the cell, but then they disregard the lives that are in cells. Like if you care about human life, you care about human life. It's not a political pitch. It's not an angle you take to get votes or to put a bumper sticker on your car. You have to care about the the cell this fertilize the egg that's fertilized and all of this and say that it, it, it's a life you have to care about it once it comes out the womb too you have to care about it when it's a refugee and it has no place to live you have to care about it when it's a refugee right here in in these domestic borders in the domestic colony of america this is this this country has a significant portion of its population that was created by kidnapped people man for 350 years of just untold millions of people kidnapped and a whole nother hundreds of millions that were genocided out of existence and the remnants of that still exist right now the laws are still the same the rhetoric is still the same the treatment is still the same the the, the whole breakdown is still the same if people would read one book in their life they would see that it, nothing has changed slavery never went away not for a moment, not for a second, not for any time whatsoever. Never. Uh, I believe it was, um, who was it that said that the Negroes stood a moment in the sun and then went back, right back into slavery? Uh, you know. Said, w. Du Bois said that we stood in the mo- a moment in the sun and then went right back into slavery. And that's virtually what happened. We got to think we had freedom. We didn't get it. We thought we had it. We were bamboozled. Well. and they made it appear that we had it by doing uh, what they were already doing in the North, which was allowing some people to free while be free while enslaving others. Well, I would like to know when that moment in the sun was, what, pri- prior to exactly. European con- contact <laughs> or something, you know, because uh, when I study just U.S. history, and I'm sure that's what he was talking about, you know, even that 10 year period between 1865 and the creation of the convict leasing system, which was the completion of the transformation of slavery from the plantation to the prison, where they could then be leased back out to the plantation to the and all the other industries that utilize uh, prison slave labor. I don't see no moment in the sun because then even when even when at when there was a temporary reprieve and all the the enslaved people were free they were homeless refugees you know what i'm saying wandering around yeah. untold numbers of them died of starvation or being abused by or t- you know from white terrorism so when was that moment in the sun there've been moments uh, in the sun for individuals and and we've talked about some of those abolitionist individuals like Paul Coffey, who I think your wife is related to, or you related to, Max. Yes. Yeah. That's uh, my wife's ancestor. Yeah, who was at one time the richest, this is during colonial period, richest, quote unquote, black man in America, who was a prominent abolitionist who used his shipping uh, a company to smuggle enslaved Africans. So, I mean, we've had individuals who have shown brightly, but as a people, I don't see no moment in the sun. Uh, Rob from Milwaukee, you wanted to chime in? Yeah, can you guys hear me clearly? You sound a little... Peace, Rob. Can you hear me clearly? Yes, we can hear you now. Okay. Uh, Yeah, I wanted to uh, just add, like, um, 
and it's the same, but it's different. And what I mean by that is, like, man, we're not in the physical change no more, right? But through the music and the TV, the phones and the tablets, man, they they controlling our thoughts. And um, like it was a thing, Mr. Bob Law said, like, you know, what if it was never about the money, but what if it was about the ownership? And the, and the controlling of one's thoughts, and um, and that's just what I see now. And thank you. Indeed, brother um, Rob. You know, there's a big dif- one of the big differences between what we faced in the 1800s and what we face now is in the 1800s they had this thing called chattel slavery, which basically meant that you were born a slave, your children were born slaves, you're going to die a slave. The only way you could get freedom is if your white owner somehow gave you your freedom with a little piece of paper and some ink on it. Now it's not like that. You're not born a slave. You don't die a slave, but you're born in slave hunting grounds. Because, you know, state by state by state, they're hunting black communities to the rates where a place like D.C., which is 49% black and 51% white, has a ratio of 19 to 1 for arrests. So it's 19 blacks arrested for every one white. So they created a hunting ground that you're born on, and there's a high percentage that you or your children or your family members will be picked up at any time to spend some time within those prison walls and generate the money that they uh, generate just by housing your body, not counting the free labor that that might be applied to it. There was a quote from a book uh, called One Dies, Get Another, Convict Leasing in the American South, 1866 to 1928, by Jay Mancini, and he said that the only difference between convict leasing and slavery is with convicts so plentiful they were seen as disposable, and that's how they see us now, as disposable. If you let out 10,000, you put in 50,000 more, no problem. Who's gonna, it's not gonna matter to anybody but the people clocking the dollars as far as they're concerned. But yeah, hopefully I answered some of those uh, queries that you might have had. With hey, that. hey, let me put it in this term, and and Rob may have heard Mr. Fuller uh, say this about white supremacy, about it's about profits and losses. Well, it's always been about profits and losses for slavery. Always about profit. Capitalism born out of slavery. Thomas Jefferson um, uh, came up with this famous formula that was circulated among his fellow uh, um, um, inhumans and he were bragging about how every uh, black body born on his plantation, how uh, the percentage point that it would increase his wealth. I mean, they had it down to a mathematical science and, and what have you. So uh, slavery is about profits and losses. Like uh, um, the former CEO of USA Inc. Had, has getting a lot of accolades for being for uh, commuting the sentences of the most uh, people. Uh, or or uh, out of all the presidents and what have you, but like I think Johanna or Max pointed out or both pointed out that hey, for that thousand he let go ten thousand with in. The laws didn't change. Tell me what laws changed. Slave code still in effect. Yeah, they'll pull a hustle on us like President Obama, former President Obama did with his investigation into the prison system and the overcrowding where places like Alabama prisons are filled 200% and other stories where we told you about where prison built 700 had nearly 3,000 people with almost 2,000 of them sleeping in tents outside 
and working from there, living with bugs and rats and snakes and everything else. So uh, it's, it's just terrible circumstances. You know, a lot of times they'll tell you exactly why they're doing it. Like in one of the stories that I want to get uh, with tonight is a story that came out of uh, Wayne County. And we just put, I just put it on New Abolitionist Radio so you can read it there, the full article. But I'm going to read just a little bit of it. It says, newly elected Representative Jonathan Fritz was swift to issue a statement of concern. Earlier today, the governor's administration announced plans to close two state prisons. SCI Waymer is one of the five facilities being considered for closure, Fritz said. I find this very troubling from both an economic perspective and a security perspective. The closure of SCI Waymart and the subsequent loss of hundreds of family-sustaining jobs would be devastating for our local economy. Further, with our state prisons already over capacity, I'm concerned about the public safety impact of this hasty decision in this era of open government. I call on the administration to share its rationale for this proposal. And uh, that's Representative John Fritz. He's a Republican out of Susquehanna, Wayne, uh, the Homesdale resident, and most recently, a Wayne County commissioner. He took the office, oath of office, on Tuesday, January 5th. <clears throat> he was very clear what he was saying in regard to the closing of the prisons. He's concerned with the money they're making off the bodies. He's concerned with the money, the jobs, and the, the, the economy boom, all from what? From bodies being in these prisons. And every, every state in the union, without a single doubt, and I'm saying this as a fact because I did the research to find out, every state in this union has an extreme discrepancy of arrests for blacks versus whites, regardless of how much population the blacks represent. In a state like Vermont, with only 1.2% black population, blacks are still being arrested at 14 to 1. In New Jersey, where they have less around 22-23% black population, it's 12 to 1. As I said, in Washington, it's 19 to 1. Every state in the union is the same thing. And the only explanation for that is that you are literally hunting in those communities. Gentlemen? Well, with that, um, it's very important to point out the the same way we talk about it's an unbroken line from, you know, of slavery, even through 1865 on, you know, all the way up. We've talked about on this program for years and, and have factually documented and backed it up with resources just, you know, to the to the have stacked to the heavens. So we know what we're saying is true and no one will ever come and dispute us. This the line was unbroken, you know, all the way through it, it has remained unbroken. And with that the way that it was kicked into hyperdrive here recently, like you said, these companies we're talking about uh, like uh, core civic or better known as CCA and the geo group uh, MTC to a little bit lesser uh, stance, but private prisons in general, and even the federal government kicking it into overdrive with his programs like Unicor and uh, you know, state prisons with their uh, uh, private labor forces. And all this has, has gone on and, and grown even with the crime bill and even with, you know, the Black Caucus voting for it and, and, and the hype and hysteria, it sounds maybe crazy to some people, but just like Black Talk Radio Network is here as a propaganda machine, 
only we're telling the truth. We're telling real facts, not alternative facts. Like it's real facts what we're telling you on this network and especially on this program. During those late, uh, during those 80s into the 90s, the so-called crack epidemic, we saw the parallels of the government itself being implicated in widespread drug dealing, bringing cocaine into the country. We've seen the conspiracy proven and we know many people have died and been put in prison. They put this out on the line and told what was going on. The president, Ali North, they all basically admitted to selling drugs to fund their little black ops wars they wanted to have. But the consequences of that were not just the people caught up in the wars in these foreign countries. The consequences of that were the millions of people in poor communities, which black folks are the number one poor communities in America. Those poor people in those poor communities were turned out by those drugs whether it's selling them or using them or the crime and the dysfunction that resulted as as that went wild in those neighborhoods and what happened with that is cops tv show the first reality tv show and number one most popular longest running this type of propaganda filled up the heads of people we saw the rise of movies colors and Boys in the Hood and Minister Society and it became very fashionable. Of course, we've talked about the music and, and gangster rap and the and the popularizing of this type of mentality. This is putting the slavery era uh characterization of blacks when black folks was considered criminal just because they weren't Christians, just because they were black and on the dark continent and so-called swinging from trees and living in mud huts and they're criminal, criminal, criminal. That became the birth of a nation, the first film ever put out and the most popular movie ever made, screened in the White House, showing a white man in blackface that supposedly rapes a white woman and here comes the KKK. I mean, the criminality that has been projected towards black people has been systematic from day one it has been a, a an institution of the government from day one it remains an institution of the government to push negative propaganda against a certain kind of person whether it be from a financial standpoint but especially along racial lines so when you have cops when you have these kind of movies when you have this kind of music when you have this kind of image being pushed constantly shoved down people's throats and they just eat it up that blacks are criminals that's how you let a thousand out of prison with your half black president that's claiming to be all black but he helps LGBTQ and black folks is dying that's how you see the rise of the one every 28 hours lynchings by police on his watch and he has nothing really to say he said one time my son if I had a son he'd look like Trayvon and they damn near kicked him out of office for saying that and he didn't revisit the subject again he lets a thousand out, but like we already said, he put ten thousand more in, and nobody notices and nobody cares because these are the same criminals, sons of the criminals from sixteen hundreds. They was criminals then. They're criminals in the seventeen hundreds. If they start, if they start fires on the plantation, if they kill the masters and, and run free, if they set up a revolt, if they malinger on the plantation and don't deliver the, the cotton on time. Whatever they do, they are criminals. Something should be obvious to you by now. 500 years of there's just a certain person that's just always a criminal. 
but it's a certain person that's always doing the killing, the raping, the enslaving, the dogging everybody else out, building up nuclear arsenals, going around the world, stealing resources and creating war. But the people in prisons are the criminals. Man, get the heck, just get out of here. People need to wake up and realize what's going on. Yeah, they certainly do. And, you know, we report constantly about the, the actual number of innocent people that are involved in this criminal industry that's going on called justice, the justice system. Uh, for instance, we often mention the Annie Dukin case. Uh, you know, she was one lab technician Max, that was responsible Max, for Max, uh, before, yes? I'm sorry to interrupt you. Before you move on to uh, that next story, um, um, do want to remind us, we do got... Um, uh, I'm sorry. Uh, don't want. We do want to leave time. I don't know if you're saving this for last, but our main topic for tonight, which again we got to talk about, yeah. Avery Duvernay's uh, Oscar I was nomination. The same thing. I figured I'd get this out of the way. Yeah, and then but, we'll get but look, it, look, we got we got a call. Okay, Rob, yep. go ahead. Did you, you wanted to comment on that other story? Oh yeah. Before uh, before y'all move on, uh, just to add some context to what I said. Um, when I said not about the money, I was talking about us as black people. I think that uh, we've been uh, sold on this narrative of all about the Benjamins. And then the last thing that I will add is that um, adding to building on what Johanna was saying, listening to a black radio station locally, a black person called in and said, man, I think it's time that we get rid of and or separate ourselves from the black people that's not conscious. Um, and I thought that that was one of the most disturbing things that I heard in a while, but that's what we're facing because the narrative is systematically being put out there. Yeah, thank you. D, D, that is scary. You know, I look at my brothers and sisters who are so confused with sympathy and concern, and I'd like to see their minds be healed after 400 years of indoctrination. And I know that they will fight against us tooth and claw to some degree, in order to protect that which they know best. But that doesn't make them right. It just makes them victims. In a way, even somebody like Sheriff Clark is a victim. He may never know it. Uh, he may go to his dying day thinking he was right all along, but all I see is somebody who has been indoctrinated by a, a white supremacist uh, doctrine that have taught them to think and act and be a certain way and inspired beliefs in them that hold no basis in truth at all. So it, it's a terrible circumstance. There was an abolitionist we did here once, and one day we're going to find him again, so I'll remember who it was, uh, who said basically that if you're going to help your people, then take off the white gloves. So before we uh, get into our main story tonight, uh, after our, our break, I just wanted to go into that next, uh, the next story that I was going to tell you about is how we often... I've been explaining to people how many innocent people are involved in this system. You can find our new abolitionist radio right now on Facebook, a post called Mass Incarceration, The Whole Pie 2015. It tells you where everybody's at and, and why they're there in states and federal prisons. You can see for yourself and know what's going on. A lot of debtors' prisons, a lot of drug arrests, over, uh, what was it, 800,000 arrests just for marijuana, simple marijuana possession alone. And one of the stories that we presented has been Annie Dugan in Massachusetts, who doctored as many as 60,000 uh, drug and alcohol reports for people's cases. 
many, many thousands potentially are in prisons right now because of her or have paid fines because of her or had their lives destroyed because of her. She was convicted for what she did, and she only represents one state out of 14 that have the same incentives, cash incentives, for positive drug results provided by the prison. But she did time for that. She was convicted and did time for that, but only 18 months. They researched and went into, I think, about one or 200 cases, and just recently they've decided they're not even going to look anymore. They don't care who is innocent because of her actions. She's walking free right now. She's out of jail. But the people who were affected by her, up to 60,000, don't even get the privilege of having someone look to see if their case was falsified. It's a damn shame. It's a damn shame. Anyway, um, anything on that, brothers? Or sisters, if somebody's listening, we, we love it when people call in and add their voice. Yeah, Nathan. Uh, oh, go ahead, Johanna. No, I was I was just gonna say I didn't have any any real comment on it. We can uh, I guess we take our break at the top of the hours when we're gonna get into the thirteenth discussion. Yeah, um, yes, I yes, do yes. have something to say about it. You know, like I think Max um, was saying is you have these sort of incentives all over the country for these drug technicians to falsify uh, results, and. She is just, it seems, got caught, got sloppy, and is a sacrificial lamb. Because I have not heard since her arrest or any similar arrests, and we know this is going on all all over the country. Um, I don't remember them prosecuting Dwayne Deaver here in North Carolina. Well, he wasn't falsifying drug that I know of, um, drug tests. He was falsifying uh, so-called forensic evidence or he was being so sloppy and they said he was like so uh, what they call it incompetent where and then but he would always work with the prosecutors to get a conviction he wasn't being impartial or any of that I think they forced him to resign but he wasn't prosecuted and the very fact that she is out of prison already tells you you know, that uh, they don't find what she did to be too egregious. The judge didn't didn't find it to be too egregious. Uh, they're hoping that nobody will dig deeper into this and, and find that judges might be tainted in this. Who knows? They might have stock in the drug testing companies or, or, or the companies that make the test that the state, who knows? So I, I think this is happening all over the country and people are just looking the other way. Yes, as I stated earlier, I'm aware that there's 14 states at least that provide this type of cash incentive to uh, lab technicians or the lab technicians or the lab department in order to provide positive results. And this is just one that was busted on it. Uh, it may be more than 14 states. I don't know the way things are escalating so quickly. Uh, when we come back, we're going to take our break here in a moment. When we come back on the other side, we'll talk about the 13th and its Oscar nod, how it came into being, some of the things that are being said about it and our own opinions. And then after that, I want to get into two new laws that are being presented. So you can see this one-two punch of how we're about to get really hard very soon. Um, you're listening to New Abolitionist Radio right here on the Black Talk Radio Network. I'm here with my co-host, Scotty Reed, and Johanna Elias. I'm Max Parthas. We'll be right back after these messages.
podcasts and live program scheduling, visit us on the web at blacktalkradionetwork.com. Thanks and welcome back to New Abolitionist Radio. Here on blacktalkradionetwork.com, we're about to go into our segment where we're going to discuss the 13th. I'd like to say congratulations to Ava DuVernay and everybody involved in it. You know, uh, I've already made my feelings known to some degree that I think that there was a lot they didn't mention. I thought some things were purposely misleading, and I also thought that I have no idea why in the hell they did not say a word about abolition being the answer to slavery. If you're implying that slavery still exists and you're backing it up with proof, then why are you suggesting reform? Because you can't reform slavery. You don't reform crimes, you abolish them. And that confused me to no end. Uh, But indeed, it was uh, Oscar-nominated now, and hopefully it will win one and bring more attention to this cause. You know, as Brother Lee Wood said earlier, he's been crying this allows for 46 years now uh, to anybody that would listen. And we have been here uh, on this program for the past five years. And I think because we have such access to media, and we already have uh, established people who have been listening to us for years and years and helped to get that message out more to influence people like Ava DuVernay uh, indirectly, if not directly. Um, let's go ahead and... Scotty, I'm sorry. Let's go ahead and yeah, give a I, listen uh, uh, right yeah. quick. To, I was just going to say, I congratulate him too, man. That's, I mean, yeah, we, I, we've yeah. been following it since it came out, so I'm happy for him that they're getting the the industry nod and getting the, the public uh, support and it's, and it's seen as being a benchmark, you know, of, of excellence in film just for the film itself sake. But I'm also aware that propaganda, you know, runs the nation. So as much as they missed the mark in really talking about it, like they gave the name the 13th, they stated specifically the 13th amendment and the exception clause that allowed for slavery to never have been abolished and then went on to tell you about mass incarceration and profits and these different things, but did not drive home the point of slavery. So I feel like it's a danger of it becoming the mantelpiece that sets the standard for the entire genre. I mean, there's been other films. Uh, Glory became the, the the story of all, you know, blacks in, in all wars, <laughs> you know, when, when they get the Oscar. Uh, you know, movies tend to do this kind of thing. When you, when you get the Oscar it becomes the voice of of all, you know, information on the subject and then everything else is lesser and not as uh not as um as respected and and not seen as being the, the whole story when this if this is set as the high mark it didn't tell the whole story. So I'm happy for them that they got more notoriety for the subject of modern day slavery but I just wish it was more known about it being modern day slavery versus just about man yes yeah, a lot of people in jail. It's kind of like how people seem to take it. Like, man, it's a lot of people in jail in America. Okay, next issue. Yeah, let's play this uh, yes. this clip, um, this trailer from the 13th. But let me say this, though. I do want to congratulate uh, Ava DuVernay on, on this recognition, although we don't need the validation of anyone, uh, but it does, it does present propaganda value. Now you could say, oh, there was a film about modern slavery and it was recognized by an element of the system uh, to be Oscar uh, worthy. And so we know that the propaganda, how it works uh, in terms of movies, and this is a film, a documentary film, 
But looking at it from a producer's, although I don't produce films, I produce, you know, radio programs and podcasts. But speaking from a producer's point of view and the little bit I know about how documentaries are made is that she presented the topic. What was the topic? The 13th Amendment. Because that's the first thing, if I remember, um, the entire text of the 13th Amendment was in the opening of that film. Uh, before the activists started speaking. So she went to each, she went to these organizers or activists who, and I felt like she selected them based on their profile in the system as whether or not they may have been on CNN or MSNBC or, you know, recognized by, by corporate America as experts on, on, on any, on this, on this particular topic. So so then all she did was let them talk. Okay, this is what the 13th Amendment says. What do you have to say? And and so they gave their, you know, whatever it is they said. We don't know how much ended up on the cutting room floor. Um, um, if I was to do a documentary, I think it would be unethical for me to lead these people um, if I'm not asking direct questions to them, but if I, but I'm, I know who to call though. I'm not going to call somebody based on their showcase status in the system. I'm going to call somebody based on their knowledge uh, of, of the situation, their total understanding of the situation. Cause there are different levels again. And I'll hate to say it, but most of those people still seem like they were struggling to come to terms they were still in the mass incarceration mode and but there was one guy in particular well before I get to him uh, but one of the guys that's featured in in the uh, documentary Max just confronted and and put the question to him at a recent event who was that Mr. Brian Stevens Max yes that's Brian Stevenson's of the uh, Equal Justice initiative. I wouldn't say I confronted him. I think I more or less nailed him down. I wanted a direct, clear answer to the question because I've been in communication with him prior to the production of the 13th and afterwards. So, And he's an abolitionist himself who has clearly said that he feels like slavery has not ended. So you can't feel like that though, Max. I hope that's not what he said. You can't feel like anything. You have to know. Either you know or you don't. There's no feelings involved in this. It's either happening or it's not. It ain't about how Scotty feel. It ain't about how Max feel. It ain't about how Brian feels. It's about what the law of the what they say the system says is the supreme law of the land. It's about what they say. It's about section two, which said that the states had the power to uh, enact laws to enforce section one. All right, and that is how the black codes were born. Okay, uh, 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 so it ain't no feeling in this, bro. It is about facts. It's about facts. It's about facts. It's not about alternative well, history or alternative facts. It is about the fact that there is a big fat exception clause right smack dab in the middle of section one. You can't abolish something while making exceptions for it. And and so, but the last thing I'll say 
um, before I play the clip, and, and I think Max wants to jump in, but um, that one guy, I can't recall his name, but the white person, um, um, he is the one who spoke more in clear terms to me. The white guy wore glasses uh, about this being slavery, inciting the 13th Amendment, and my memories uh, serves me correctly. Yes. I, I was just going to add that what my purpose was, and the video is now on New Abolitionist Radio. You can see me speaking to uh, Brian Stevenson in Columbia, South Carolina. My purpose was to nail him down because he knows uh, I use his data. So this is a brother who knows more probably than we do, but he's being very elusive when it comes to the media, and I think that's because of his corporate relationships, the funding that he's getting from, like, the Ford Foundation, and Google donated a million dollars to him. But when he was there making his presentation, I asked him clearly, uh, do you see this as slavery allowed through the 13th Amendment? And if yes, are you an abolitionist? And he was pretty much clear and congratulated me in asking the question and being very clear about the question. And at that point, I managed to nail him down to say, yes, this is slavery. And yes, we need abolitionists, and I am one. Right, right. But again, just her putting the 13th Amendment in the opening scenes, the text of it, and then also in the closing. And I think it might have showed it a few times. That's all it took for me to convert me to an abolitionist is just seeing the text of the 13th. So I felt like she did what she was supposed to do as a producer of a documentary. Documentaries aren't supposed to be scripted, so it's not like she wrote a script and handed it to the, these were not actors, these were activists. And so they spoke their understanding of the 13th Amendment, and uh, we hope that they will educate themselves further and finally cross that threshold and stop using the language of mass incarceration because the majority of people are not slaves today in, on a prison plantation. It's a lot of them, but not the majority of them, and, but, and this is a continuation of slavery. It's not mass incarceration. But here's the documentary. Um, I haven't um, listened to this particular uh, trailer. And so y'all might get a little taste of what Max is, is bringing up and what we're talking about in terms of the lukewarmness. And they could have did the activists, not her, but the activists could have did a better job in really stressing that this is slavery. So uh, this is uh, the Netflix Oscar nominated uh, documentary, The 13th. This is the official trailer. One out of four human beings with their hands on bars, shackled in the world, are locked up here in the land of the free. Khalif Browder was walking home from a party when he was stopped by police. Then they said, We're going to take you to the precinct, and most likely we're going to let you go home. And then I never went home. The 13th Amendment to the Constitution makes it unconstitutional for someone to be held as a slave. There are exceptions, including criminals. The loophole was immediately exploited. What you got after that was a rapid transition to a mythology of black criminality. Some people got the real problem. Animals 
beasts that needed to be controlled. You better believe it. Tony Humor. It became virtually impossible for a politician to run and appear soft on crime. The kinds of kids that are called super predators. Millions of dollars will be allocated for prison and jail facilities. Three strikes and you are out. It was an enormous burden on the black community, but it also violated a sense of core fairness. Some people got the real the states were required to keep these prisons filled, even if nobody was committing a crime. Some it's so difficult to talk about mass incarceration because it has become heavily monetized. The focus is on taking people from prison, putting them in community corrections, parole and probation. How much progress is it really if now there's a private company making money off the GPS monitor? now have more African-Americans under criminal supervision than all the slaves back in the 1850s. We are the products of the history that our ancestors chose. Products of that set of choices that we have to understand in order to escape from it. I remember the excitement I felt when that first came out. I want to read to you what Ava DuVernay said herself on the day before the release of the 13th. And this is her tweet, September 25th, 2016, Ava DuVernay. Everyone knows that slavery was abolished after the Civil War. Everyone is wrong. A glimpse at the 13th film, full trailer drops tomorrow. So this was the day before that trailer came out, where she said, this is slavery. Like, slavery wasn't abolished. But throughout the film, you don't hear that. You hear mass incarceration reform, mass incarceration reform. And that's like, a, a, it's, it's cognitive dissonance in full display. Either it is slavery or it's not. What the hell are you talking about? <laughs> so, but they had these people who I felt were lukewarm, like uh, Van Jones, Brian Stevenson, uh, uh, Michelle Alexander. They even had Newt Gingrich on there. And uh, those people I consider lukewarm because they're just coming to these awarenesses and they're still fighting in their brains to determine whether or not this is slavery or mass incarceration. Because mass incarceration is all they ever known. It's all that's been put into their head, especially since Michelle Alexander dropped the new Jim Crow uh, book, which uh, really popularized the term. So now they have to deal with whether or not it's slavery. And I don't think they'll, they've come to that conclusion yet, Max, really and truly. Max, I think we have to also add when we're talking about the book, even though it reveals some truth, it reveals some truths now about the system, but it didn't call it slavery. That was uh, funded by George Soros. Yeah, Who also funded Black Lives Matter. Yep. Yep. You start seeing those connections coming in and out. Indeed. Well, again, you know, if you haven't watched this film, then uh, what you should do right now is if you can just reach behind you, like put your, your right hand up and just behind you and smack the back of your head. Go on and watch the film. It may not be perfect, but it's certainly enlightening and explains. And it's one of the trilogy of films that I highly suggest. The first being uh, Slavery by Another Name. That tells you how slavery was transformed to convict leasing. And then you watch 13th. 
So you can see how convict leasing was transformed into what we see now is our justice system. And then finally, you watch Do Not Resist, which shows you where we're going. Not only are we going there, but we're already in certain areas that this film shows you we're coming into, which includes things like facial recognition technology that goes on 24 hours, seven days a week, looking at everybody. And also uh, the no-knock warrants, the increase in SWAT teams, the new technology they use to determine whether or not you're going to be a criminal before you're ever born, and then treat you as such. Even profiling and uh, examining visitors of prisoners to determine whether the visitors, the family members, are also likely to commit yeah, crimes. Can- candidates. No, not cr- let's not use their language. All right. Yeah, Michelle accurately, accurately pointed out that instead of the dehumanizing terms that, well, they still use those too, but the dehumanizing terms they had towards black people, they just then start calling them criminals. We criminalized them or whatnot. But these are, I call it slave candidates. They they profiling people to see if they're a candidate for slavery and then they building that perfect slave trap. You know, with the technology that you were talking about, the facial rec- recognition and all of that, that'll help. See, that'll help them for any escaped slaves and, and what have you. So, yeah. Um, but I think we, uh, Rob wanted to chime back in. Go ahead, Rob. We can't hear you, Rob. Can you hear me? We can now. Hello. Okay. Um, <clears throat> yeah, I saw the uh, documentary and uh, was listening to the commentary. And I wanted to uh, ask you guys a question, two questions. <clears throat> Do you think that the establishment is aware of the work that you guys do. I lost the first part. You kind of faded out. Do you, do we think the who is aware of the work we do? The, the establishment and or the system. Oh, yes. I have had my life threatened. I've had police at my door. Uh, I've been, uh, I was told at one point if I went to a certain place, I wouldn't be coming back home alive. I've had police pull up to my window and leave their lights in my picture window and sit there for an hour. I've had the house across the street from me during a freaking snowstorm burn down as police drove away, and the fire department was one block away, and it took them 45 minutes to come over, come down the street to put it out. So, yes, they know. We cost them over $400 million just in the month of August alone. They know who we are and what we're doing out here. Uh, so, you know, for the people that are listening, you know, we have to disappear. It wasn't suicide. And we didn't decide to go off to Israel or, or Egypt or Africa just suddenly. Um, <laughs> you know. Yeah. yeah um, t- yes. Uh, Barack Obama. My- Barack Obama follows Black Talk Radio on Twitter. Therefore, he knows about New Abolitionist Radio. Other politicians, other uh, showcase people in, in the system uh, also follow us on Twitter. Um, I've heard the former, I think he retired, commissioner, police commissioner of New York City give a speech to uh, some incoming cadets. 
and oh let me remember his quote to them he said that he said basically that they view us they view us as slave catchers or something to that effect and I knew right away I had to look it back up the speech he gave to those cadets and I knew this man had been listening to black talk radio of course they're tuning in of course they're listening they wouldn't be doing their job if they weren't you know so yeah nobody else is I I think being truthful about the system in terms of slavery and and the law um, as we have been consistently on air for five years putting this out there right Um, just to add a little bit more Rob if you don't mind just a little bit more I personally face to face have spoken to senators congressmen, mayors, city councils, chiefs of police, sheriffs, and police officers about this very issue. I've even stood face-to-face with the CEO of CEC in South Carolina and told him in no uncertain terms that I'm here to put you out of business. They know very well who we are. And then all the petitions, one last thing, Rob, all the petitions that we helped generate or circulate. These are going to people who are board members of USA Inc. So yes, they are aware. Okay, and <clears throat> now the reason that I asked that question because I, I have been observing um, showcase people um, huh. countering the system, right? And I'm starting to wonder is some of the things that I have been seeing um, that puts the truth out there and, you know, kind of, you know what I'm saying, brush the issue a little bit. Is that a narrative that's being put out there as a direct counter to Black Talk Radio Network? And that's the question that I wanted to ask. And, and it's controlled and to up be more and to be more specific, like the documentary um the thirteenth, right? Like, okay. <clears throat> we, you know, felt some excitement, you know, about it coming out and then when it came out, we were like, wait a minute. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So like that you know, so I'm just just putting the question out there, and I could be way off base, but um, like building off the last thing Scotty said, um, I haven't found more truth than the Black Talk Radio Network, and I'm starting to wonder, damn, well, why all the black people ain't joining the Black Talk Radio Network? Mm-hmm. And, uh, I'll end with that. Man, it's controlled. It's, it's control. Right. It's controlling the narrative. That's all it is. It's controlling the narrative. You mentioned earlier, brother Rob. You mentioned earlier about uh, what if they wanted to just control people's minds. You know what they think, what they do, and, and just have a whole nation. You know, basically a plantation of sheep, just just dumb grazing and, and consuming and being human batteries like the Matrix or something. I mean, I don't know. Maybe that's where they want to go. I don't. I don't know. But I know right now they have slavery. And I know right now they have legalized slavery. And I know right now abolitionism is the only thing on the earth. I mean, it's not like we we intersect with some other movement. Everybody talks about human rights. Everybody talks about, uh, you know, ending things that are already illegal and 
want to be abolitionist against laws that's already been passed to, to stop slavery in other forms and in other places. We're the only ones. The abolitionist movement is the only thing that is that is trying to change something that can be changed immediately that is killing people in mass numbers that is bloating the economy and stealing jobs creating atrocities of human rights civil rights constitutional rights every hour of every single day abolitionism speaks to all of these things gives us hope gives us a future a chance but what you see in these other people these other groups these other movements these celebrities all of this bs man anybody with a live microphone a national audience a book being sold that's being quoted on Fox and CNN and MSNBC doing a press junket selling their books selling their wares or whatever these people are being given an opportunity to create the narrative to control the narrative to lead if, if, if they were talking about the truth and you said yourself we're one of the only outlets you're finding that is even talking about the truth we would be bumping into these people in the middle of the day we would just be bumping into them. We'd be in the same places, just running into each other because we all in the truth. If we're in a desert and there's one source of water, we're going to catch each other at the watering hole eventually. Ain't no way in the world we're going to all be in the desert and there's one watering hole and we just don't ever see you there. Mm-hmm. These people never run into us. These people never bump into us. These people just... They, they, they bump into me, but they regret it. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yes. And when I say that, that they don't intersect with us, I mean like they don't come hand in hand with us and join in just for one movement, just for one march, for one party, for one organization, for one thing we do. They don't ever get on board. They they stay away from us year in, year out as best they can till Max just catch them somewhere. Like the Gooch or something, just catch them out like, yeah, I'm about <laughs> About to get their lunch money right quick. And they regret it. Like he said, these people, these people are doing what they're doing by high command. It ain't by happenstance. It ain't no accident. They are they are being they're doing what they're doing by high command. Folks are telling them where to go, what to do, what to say, what never to say. And that's just what it is. Hey, let me uh respond to Rob and then we got another um uh, caller. Rob, that is a very, very astute question. Great observation. Of course, there's no definitive answer that I could give you because I don't have any evidence. But is that likely? And so you got me thinking over here, bro. I mean, again, this is a step forward in that at least the 13th, the question of the 13th is being put before people, at least Ava DuVernay, the people who follow her that she have influence of, she did put out to them directly that slavery was never abolished. That if you believe that you believe a lie, you're believing in alternative facts. So, so, but at the same time, I do have to consider what you said. Are they just trying to, okay, they, they know that this message about abolitionism, modern slavery and human trafficking still existing, never being abolished is getting out there. So we can't stop the whole truth for let's see if we can get a control of it. Let's see if we can get a control of the narrative and water it down just a bit and direct people towards reform instead of directing people towards abolition. So I'm not saying this is what Ava DuVernay did. Again, she did say directly that she is an abolitionist and, and, and that this is slavery. But the other people... 
I could, yeah, that, that's a very good question, Rob, and it is something we're going to have to be on guard for. Um, 973, you are on New Abolitionist Radio. Thank you for joining us. Go ahead with your question or comment. Good evening, um, guys and audience. Hello, this is calling from New Jersey. Um, I want to answer Rob's question. I think the number one reason why a lot of people are not joining uh, the Black Talk Radio is because they don't. Black Talk Radio, Scotty is the Scotty is the owner, and he's not being controlled. He can say what he wants to say when he wants to say it, and he and and that's the reason why they don't don't like that. You know, a lot of we're, I mean, you know, me, I don't care. You know, I mean, when you say certain things, I sometimes think, wow, you know. But for me, I enjoy the station. I support the station. But for someone out looking in who probably says to themselves, well, this is just a little bit over the top for me. They go a little bit too far. You know, I want to enjoy the station, but what would a person think about me if someone says this word? Mm-hmm. It doesn't reflect me or whatever. And they say, oh, no, I can't do that. Although they are more. And let me tell you guys, I listen to two stations here in the New York, New Jersey metropolitan area. And it's not a day that go by that they're talking about abolition and slavery. At times I, I take down the information. I want to email somebody and say, hey, you got to listen. You got to hear this. Every day, Guns and Butter, this other program called, uh, it comes on, on BAI. Every day I'm like, what, where? What? It's like I, it's, I, I hear, I listen to WBAI. I mean, sorry, listen to Black Talk Radio, right, guys? And the next thing you know, I haven't heard about the abolition of slavery until I listened to your station. Now it's all over the place. And I don't think it was uh, 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 DuVernay who started it. A lot of people get listen to your station to get news, to get something, you know, get news from you guys to, to extract from it and bring it to the boredom spectrum. Because I'm like saying to myself, like, why is it that now I'm hearing it? Not because, and this was last year that we started really hearing more about the abolition, even in my organization. My chairman wasn't talking about the I've been there for five years now, okay? <laughs> and he wasn't talking about the abolition of slavery until like last year. I was like, wait, wait, what's going on? And I'm telling you, BAI is like all over this whole thing. Every program is like, yeah, uh, uh, the abolition, you know, and, and like my, the guy who, I remember I was on your, um, um, uh, you had Black Talk Radio, Mr. Reed, and I, you a- actually played an excerpt of this economist who was, every economist who, who, who lives in uh, New York and he does this uh, program. And it's not one program that goes by, I listen to him religiously every week, talk about slavery and abolition and except for punishment of crime. It's like it's just all over. So, yes, people are definitely listening to this this station, extracting. They're scared because you can do what you want to do because you're the boss. You can say what you want. And maybe sometimes what you may say, they may not, but they don't like it, but it may be like, oh, what are my coworkers going to think if I'm on this station? Do they believe I support that word or this word or that word? So it's a little bit apprehensiveness. So hopefully maybe in the era of Trump, since he says what he wants to, maybe they may have a different frame of mind. Thanks a lot, guys. <laughs> hey, I'm going to look up those stations that you were talking about. I'd be interested to hear what they have to say. I know that for the past uh, few years, I've certainly uh, made it my, uh, my business to get the word out as much as possible. I've been on all the major radio stations. Uh, I also did international in, uh, interviews with uh, Brother E. Stanley Richardson to uh, the African audiences there on African Network Television. So we've been pushing this out there just so people know. I mean, once you have the information in your head, then you get a choice. You get to choose if it's true or not. You know what I mean? 
thing which you didn't have before. And once you get that choice, the answer is real simple. How can you avoid it once you read those 47 words in the uh, in the, the 13th Amendment? And come August 19th, if you think it was bad now, you think they're struggling to try to find out what they should be saying, wait till we get to the March on Washington when Max Parthas gets to speak to the entire world from there. Man, then they're really going to have to scramble to talk about what they need to talk about. Well, we're coming up on our break. Uh, when we come back, we're going to give a couple more stories, and then we're going to go into our final segments. You're listening to New Abolitionist Radio here on the Black Talk Radio Network. We'll be right back after these messages. Talk Radio Network is made possible in part with help from the Black Talk Media Project, a North Carolina-based nonprofit engaged in the production and distribution of independent digital black media. Find out more by going to blacktalkradionetwork.com or blacktalkmediaproject.org and look for the menu tab, Crowdfunding Black Media. Black Talk Media Project, helping to provide you with new black media for the new millennium. Media for the new millennium. Peace. Welcome back to New Abolitionist Radio. <clears throat> We're going to get into a couple of stories, but first I want to thank our callers for participating. Indeed, uh, we appreciate your input on this and uh, your uh, information on what's going on around you as well. So thank you very oh, much. Oh, Max, I uh, just wanted to let yes, Jersey Girl know that I still do BTR news. It's on Saturdays from 7 o'clock p.m. Eastern to 9 o'clock p.m. Eastern. Uh, I'm just doing one day a week so that I can continue to ensure that this network grows and all the black independent black voices associated with our platform reach as many people as possible. So I'm still doing it. It's, it's just on Saturday nights now, but thank you. Indeed. Um, the, the stories that I wanted to get in, it's actually three of them. I'm just going to squeeze a third one in between two. Uh, is the way that things are being set up now for the future and, and how this, what people are calling mass incarceration is about to increase. Johanna, you might be able to help me out with this one as well while I get the other two. Could you pull up the story about what Louisiana is going through right now with their, uh, they're using hate crimes for resisting arrest. Louisiana is the first state to offer hate crimes protection to police officers and uh, now it's a felony if you resist arrest and there's a combination I'm going to point out as I said with three stories but if you want to share some of that one from the Louisiana story uh, Johanna that would be great sure if you have it uh, yeah I, I got it up I'm, I'm on it um, this is from your boy Sean King um, who I won't critique I mean keep doing what you do man you're going to come around. 
it's slavery, brother. Ain't no way around it. You might as well just say every time you start speaking, you might as well say slavery. Uh, so Sean King, New York Daily News. Uh, this to me kind of ties into what we talked about a couple of weeks ago with the uh, the uh, the law that they already have enacted as far as uh, stopping the animal protesters. Um, that if you cause any kind of a loss in the in the value of the stocks of the company by protesting them, they can prosecute you. So I mean, it, it's a it's we live in tough times. Uh, it says uh, Louisiana police chief charging people with a felony hate crime punishable by 10 years in prison if they resist arrest um says uh governor john bell edwards signed a horrendous bill into law before trump took office now that louisiana's blue lives matter law is in full effect the troubling consequences are already being felt across the state according to st martinville police chief calder herbert Herbert, a bear, I don't know how they say it down there, is that if a man's arrested for the misdemeanor of stealing a candy bar from a convenience store, but then he resists arrest, he can and will be charged with a felony hate crime and sentenced up to 10 years in prison for it. In fact, if someone is wrongly arrested, but then resists that wrongful arrest, instead of simply being charged with the misdemeanor of resisting arrest, which is bull in the first place, because you do have a constitutional right <laughs> <laughs> to resist a wrongful arrest. I don't I mean this is just a mess. Um they too could be charged with a felony hate crime against police. It doesn't matter if they actually hate police or not, which would seem to be a necessary requirement of a hate crime, but resisting arrest is being made into a serious felony nonetheless. In fact, they were told KT KATC News that he's already enforcing the law and he's already charging people with felony hate crimes against police when they resist arrest. Resisting an officer or battery of an officer was just that charge simply. But now, Governor Edwards' legislation has made it a hate crime, he says. This, ladies and gentlemen, is why we have more people in prison than any other nation in the world. Making resisting arrest a felony hate crime is, is preposterous. First off, the charge, resisting arrest, is already outrageously nebulous and regularly abused by police who can deem even the slightest movement or failure to immediately reply to a command as quote-unquote resisting arrest. He goes on to say, I knew a man who had a, had a police dog biting him all over his body, including his genitals, who was then charged with resisting arrest because he did not remain calm and still. I knew a woman who was charged with resisting arrest because of her sluggish behavior during a diabetic attack. These laws, like most laws in America, will be used to criminalize blackness itself, will be used to increase slave plantation populations See, that's the thing about reporting these stories when you tell what's going on you always have to remind people that it's slavery it's not just randomly well we just want to criminalize black people what do you want to criminalize them for to make them slaves just say it just keep pushing it all the way to the, the point it's for slavery why this is happening and to create a felony out of this is to keep the slaves on the plantation even longer and to create a greater probability that they won't be able to stay out of prison with any kind of interaction with the police. This is me talking. This ain't the article. If you get stopped for any reason, stop, question, frisk, racial profiling, race-based policing, all of these things that we know are going on in every police department across America. There is no, but there's good cops. There is no, just a few bad apples. Every place in the nation, we've already proved it. Right here on this program, everywhere. Ferguson is America. Every place is racially profiling 
Every place is race-based in their policing. Every state has been proven right here on this program over an entire year's worth of programs. We covered 50 states in 52 weeks. We've talked about it every week. Every state has less number of black people in the state and exponentially larger numbers of black people in the prisons. So this is obviously what's going on. When you create a felony, we talked about how it's 97% of all federal and state convictions in America come by plea agreements. These are people that are arrested, who cannot fight charges, who do not have any money, who are facing the police officer, the court officers, the bailiffs, the court clerks, the judges, the prosecutors, the friends of all these people, the political establishment. Everybody is going against that one guy or girl or child who gets charged. And now all they got to do is look you in the eye and say you resisted arrest and you, eh, there's a felony. So welcome to America. And it didn't take Trump to do it. And you know, like Sandra Bland, we all know the story of Sandra Bland. Mm-hmm. She would have been facing 10 years in prison. Yes. Yep. But that wasn't good and enough. It was to give her 10 years. They went ahead and murdered her. So this is what, this is what you're up against. This is the direct result of slave catchers unions. This is the direct result of a heightened resistance to slavery, even if the people don't know that's what they're resisting. So this is Mm -hmm. a direct response uh, to that, to call it a hate crime. And this comes out of rhetoric. I've heard some of these slave catcher union presidents uh, mentioned and, and carried on the networks and what have you. So this is the lobbying power of the slave catchers union of America is, is what this is a direct result. In. And this is why I say we have to be engaged in every people activity area uh, that Mr. Fuller names in his nine areas of people activity and politics is, is one of those. It controls everything else. And so they use economic power through their uh, I think the largest one has 300,000 members. They all pay dues. And then they have money to lobby these politicians and buy them gifts or dinners or however they do it. And and that is how they are able to get such laws in place. And, and Louisiana uh, enslaves more people on the planet per square mile, per capita than any place on earth. I don't care. You could talk all day about how bad North Korea is. You can talk all this junk about uh, Cuba. You could, you know, point at your uh, point at Russia since that's seen to be in vogue right now. Let's blame Russia. Let's red bait. But they none of those countries combine. Look, China. About how many times do we have to say how many people in China? What's their population? Over a billion? billion? Two billion? Uh, I'm Over not a sure. billion. How much, Max? Over one billion. Yeah, but how is it that Louisiana uh, has seven times the number of slaves in labor camps than China has by itself? That's how bad things are in Louisiana. And of course, we saw the brother murdered, uh, point blank range, uh, on video down there in Baton Rouge, and and then we saw uh, the response to that slave catching. Uh, um, uh, may, may those abolitionists rest in peace so this is a direct result of lobbying of the slave catchers resisting arrest as a hate crime 
How is that? Maybe I don't want to be a slave and it ain't got nothing to do with me hating a slave catcher trying to put me into slavery. It's, I'm just trying to escape. Or some of the things that Max mentioned when Max mentioned that dog on that man's genitals. Like, oh, you just going to lay still while this dog rip your man parts off. You know, that just reminded me of that scene out the movie Django where D'Artagnan was ripped to shreds by them dogs. And so, you know, that's a hate crime now to get bit up by dogs. So, wow. Yep, that's that's step one of uh, two parts that I, or three parts that I wanted to show you. Uh, how these things are working and coming into play so these laws can work together to create not just uh, an advanced black code, but an advanced rainbow code because anybody can get caught in these now, <clears throat> including white America. Uh, the other one is the law that's coming out of uh, Tennessee, and it, this comes from The Intercept, and it says, update, lawmakers in 10 states have proposed legislation criminalizing a peaceful protest. Now, let me put this into perspective. You just heard that resisting arrest will get you 10 years in prison and is considered a hate crime, right? Now, why would you resist arrest? The only reason you would resist arrest is if your life is in danger or your rights are being violated unjustly. For instance, your right to peacefully protest. <laughs> so, this comes out of, it said the intercept, and I'll read some of it. It says, over the weekend, millions of demonstrators took to the streets across the country to mobilize against the new president and his agenda, assembling in a national turnout that organizers called the beginning of a reinvigorated protest movement. But in states home to dozens of Saturday's demonstrators, Republican lawmakers are moving to criminalize and increase penalties on peaceful protesting. Last week, I reported that such efforts were afoot in five states, in Minnesota, Washington State, Michigan, and Iowa. Republican lawmakers have proposed an array of anti-protesting laws that center on stiffening penalties for demonstrators who block traffic. In North Dakota, conservatives are even pushing a bill that would allow motorists to run over and kill protesters so long as the collision was accidental. Similarly, Republicans in Indiana last week prompted an uproar over a proposed law that would instruct police to use any means necessary to clear protesters off a roadway, meaning that they could shoot you to kill you if you block a road. And, of, of course, there's another law coming out, which is something I'm adding to the story, so you know it, that uh, we're, as I just mentioned, they can kill you now, right, to kill you as a protester. So over the weekend, readers alerted me to two additional anti-protesting bills, both introduced by Republicans that are pending in Virginia and Colorado. This brings the number of states that have in recent weeks floated such proposal to at least eight. In Colorado, Republican states, Senator Jerry Sonnenberg was, has introduced a bill that would greatly increase penalties for environmental protesters under the proposed law obstructing or tampering with oil and gas equipment would be reclassified from a misdemeanor to a class six felony category of crime that reportedly can be punished up to 18 months behind bars and a fine of over $100,000. Uh, you can read the rest of this story at New Abolitionist Radio on our Facebook page and go through that at your leisure. 
basically what I'm pointing out is how these laws are coming together to criminalize anything you do, including exercising your constitutional rights. We already know that the Constitution doesn't seem to even exist anymore, except for the Second Amendment, which is constantly being yelled about by the right-wingers. But amendments like the Sixth Amendment are now a myth. Scotty told you, 95% of all felony cases across the entire country end in a plea bargain, which is unconstitutional. There's no right, right to a... Right. Right. Uh, to a fair and speedy trial if 95% of the cases end in plea bargains. And many of these are uh, extortion where they threaten to send you to prison for the rest of everybody's life if you don't admit the X, X, and X and take this. So when facing those odds, many people who are innocent plead guilty. Uh, the other one is a well, story Max, that Max, Max, Max yeah. um, we running out of time, bro. We got uh, mind, body, and spirit. I have to be off air by uh, five minutes till the top of the hour, so we still got two more segments, the writer okay. and the abolitionist. Uh, I'll just make a mention of the other one, which is what I was going to do anyway. And the other one is a city council meeting. I'm going to put the video up on New Abolitionist Radio where the city council was sitting there for making proposals to charge protesters for police protection at protests. So see how all of this is coming together. Um, we're coming up on our final segments where we have to do our uh, first century underground railroad and our uh, abolitionist in profile as well as our closing statements. So let's go right to our writer of the 21st century underground railroad. Um, Johanna, I'm gonna have to reach out to you again, brother. I'm having some serious issues with my computer. If you can uh, get our writer off new abolitionist radio there, I would, uh, and, and maybe read it for the people, I would appreciate it. For those that are new listeners, you know, Han and I have been bouncing this back and forth because it's probably one of the saddest parts of what we do. Uh, it's, it's joyous that people are being freed, but it's extremely sad and depressing seeing the patterns and practices that put them there to begin with. The illegal activities, the uh, prosecutorial misconduct, the misrepresentation, the lack of representation, and all the way up to falsifying information or holding back information for no other reason than a prosecutor who wants a 95 or 98 or even 100% prosecute, uh, prosecution record so they can move up the uh, scale of importance to things like governor. Yep. Brother Jerry Hartfield, he's, uh, he's home now. He's our writer of the 21st Century Underground Railroad. A Texas inmate who was in prison for 35 years while waiting for a new trial after a court overturned his murder conviction uh, should, be set fee- should be set free, according to an appellate court. Uh, Jerry Hartfield was, was finally convicted again in 2015 in the 1976 killing of 55-year-old Eunice Loeb, but a court ruled that his constitutional right, this was just uh, last Thursday, January 20, or January 19th, that his constitutional right to a speedy trial was violated. The Court of Appeals for the 13th District of Texas reversed the conviction and ordered that the case against Hartfield, now 60, be dismissed. Uh, this is a form of genocide when you take young people off the streets and they can't make children because you got them in prisons. Uh, the state ne- negligence in this case created a criminal justice nightmare for Hartfield and the system at large as he sat in custody of the Texas Department of Criminal Justice for 32 years without a conviction. Shout out to Khalif Browder. Three years, got out, and couldn't couldn't take it. So you see, this is this is all throughout the system. The panel uh, wrote that, adding that later that his release was only a remedy. 
We are deeply mindful that our conclusion today means that a defendant who may be guilty of murder may go free. It was not clear Friday when or or if Hartfield could be released or if the state would appeal the decision to the Court of Criminal Appeals, which is Texas' highest court. Phone message left with the spokesman for the Texas Attorney General's office was not immediately returned. Hartfield originally was sentenced to death in the slaying of Lowe, a bus ticket saleswoman in Bay City, about 100 miles southwest of Houston. A jury heard testimony that Lowe had been beaten to death with a pickaxe. Some of her valuables had been stolen and her body was sexually abused. But that conviction was thrown out on appeal because of a problem with jury selection and a trial was ordered. A retrial was ordered. In 1983, Governor Mark White commuted Hartfield's death sentence to life in prison in an effort to avoid retrial. The courts recently found the sentence had already been overturned and vacated by the time he issued the commutation. Hartfield's attorneys tried to have the indictment set aside before his 2015 retrial, but the lower court denied his claim. He had been denied a speedy trial, saying he had failed to raise the issue for more than 23 years. Jury subsequently convicted him of a lesser murder charge and sentenced him to life in prison. One of his attorneys, Jerry, Jeffrey Newberry, said Friday he didn't know whether Hartfield knows about the decision yet. He said he's requested a phone call with Hartfield, who is the state's, who's at the state's all-red unit in Iowa City near the Oklahoma border. Things that happened in this case, critical evidence was lost. The murder weapon was lost. The vehicle the state allegedly took was lost a long time ago. These are the reasons we have a Sixth Agreement, a Sixth Amendment, rather, uh, right to a speedy trial. The framers realized that your ability to defend yourself diminishes as time passes. We are very happy with the court's decision, but it's definitely a tragedy that it took 30 years. So shout out to Jerry Hartfield. Uh, peace to your brother. You made it back out. Uh, a rider of the Underground Railroad in this 21st century. Welcome home. Salute, brother. Welcome freedom. Welcome home. It's just sad, like I said, and Yolanda and I try to pass it back and forth so we don't have to carry that on our hearts just reading the words aloud is so terrible um, we're going to skip our our doing the abolitionist and profiles oh no we're not Max no, no 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 I already got okay. it ready <laughs> we going to read you already it. got it ready yeah okay great so then we're going to go into our next segment which is our abolitionist impulse profile all right, uh, I'm skipping the music for the sake of time, but our abolitionist in profile is Ava Marie DuVernay, born August 24th, 1972, is an American director, screenwriter, film marketer, and film distributor. At the 2012 Sundance Film Festival, DuVernay won the Best Director Prize for her second feature film, Middle of Nowhere, becoming the first African-American woman to win the award. For her work in Selma, DuVernay was the first black female director to be nominated for a Golden Globe Award. With Selma, she also uh, was the first black female director to have her film nominated for the Academy Award for Best Picture, though she was not nominated for Best Director. Uh, in July 2016, the New York Film Festival made the surprise announcement that 13th, a documentary directed by DuVernay, will open the festival. Until the announcement, no mention of the film had been made by either DuVernay or Netflix, the film's distributor. The 13th is a 2016 American documentary by director Ava DuVernay centered on race in the United States criminal justice system. The film is titled after the 13th Amendment to the United States Constitution, which outlawed slavery unless as a punishment for crime. DuVernay's film argues that slavery is being effectively perpetrated through mass incarceration. 13th has garnered acclaim from film critics and was nominated for an Academy Award for 
best documentary feature at the 89th uh, Oscars on um, what is the date on September in September on September the 25th 2016 Ava DuVernay tweeted everyone knows that slavery was abolished after the Civil War everyone is wrong we at New Abolitionists salute abolitionist Ava DuVernay Salute, sister. Indeed. Indeed. Word, man. Well, the stories that we didn't make tonight, you can find them on New Abolitionist Radio. Of course, there are some horror stories, so make sure you go and check them out over there and share the information. Knowing is half of solving the problem. Uh, Either one of you brothers want to begin our closing statements for the evening until we uh, talk with our listeners again next month. Ian Slavery. Peace to the abolitionists, death to the oppressors. Oh, wow. Uh, brothers left me a couple minutes, or at least eight minutes. <laughs> yeah, that's cool. I don't have anything to say at this point except this. If you don't know, now you know. Slavery was never abolished. We need abolitionists to end slavery. If you're talking about reform, you're talking about stalling us. And that's not on our side. Because justice delayed is justice Denied, And I want you to always remember that abolition is a reason for a revolution so we can finally know some peace. Peace.